Welcome to another exciting episode of the Three Minute Therapy Podcast. And uh, by way of introduction, Three Minute Therapy refers to uh, my popular self-help book called Three Minute Therapy, which really is based on the subject of psychotherapy developed by Albert Ellis in the 1950s, which dramatically changed the direction of therapy from the old fashioned relationship type therapies and speaking about your childhood to the current cognitive behavior therapies. So that's REBT, rational emotive behavior therapy. And the basic premise is our emotions don't come from situations. So if I feel uh, depressed when I'm fired from a job, it's not being fired that causes my depression, but rather my thinking about it, what I'm telling myself. That's a very powerful idea because if it's my thinking that causes my emotions, which it is, and I don't like my emotions, then I can go back to the source, my thinking, not the situations, which we can change also, but more fundamentally are thinking and change that. Are thinking that leads to disturbed emotions, which we call irrational thinking, comes from escalating our preferences into demands. Musts, shoulds, supposed tos, have tos, demands we put on ourselves, others or situations such as I must do well and get approval or else I'm no good, or you must treat me well or else you're no good, or my life must be fair, easy and hassle-free, otherwise my life is no good. And that leads to uh, the road to hell, which is actually the road to emotional disturbance. So when you're feeling Disturb, look for your musts, your shoulds, and question, challenge them, contradict them, and uh, reinforce your preferences. I am joined, as usual, by Kevin Benbow, another premier REBT therapist. Kevin is in Yuma, Arizona. And uh, Chris Rossini in the background, who's our tech engineer who helps us make this all happen from the technical perspective. Uh, Kevin, is there anything else you'd like to add to the introduction? Uh, no, not, uh, not really, just that it has been a revolutionary in my own personal life and in my parenting to know that uh, my emotions are caused by my beliefs or attitudes. And the beautiful thing about that is I can do something about my beliefs or attitudes. Probably not perfectly, but I can do something. Uh -huh. Exactly, exactly. And not perfectly because you, like me and Chris and everyone else on the planet, uh, is an imperfect human who acts imperfectly. So we're not going to do anything perfectly. We could have a goal to act perfectly as long as we don't define our worth in terms of whether we reach that goal. And the goal could be an incentive to work hard to do as well as you can. Today, we're gonna to be discussing rational emotive behavior therapy and parenting. And we have, an, and now I have no biological children. I have two stepdaughters, lovely stepdaughters, but 
I just met them when they were adults. But we have an expert here, and he happens to be my partner, Kevin Benbow, who has five children. So Kevin, uh, what would you say has been the most useful strategy, approach, perspective, philosophy in raising children imperfectly, rationally? Well, let, let me start by saying that uh, <clears throat> I didn't start as a good parent. Uh, my wife and I have a, a background in uh, religious fundamentalism. And uh, my opinion is that that did not lend itself to very good parenting. It lent itself rather to very rigid thinking, very strong, uh, irrational beliefs how children should and must behave at all times. Once we were able to get out of that particular situation, I found that being flexible with my kids, it, it was a, always a balance. Uh, I, I once heard a, uh, a sword, a sword, master of the sword say, holding the sword is like holding a bird in your hand. Uh, if you hold it too tightly, you'll kill it. If you hold it too loosely, it'll fly away. And I think that with our kids, that's kind of the approach we want to take. We want to be firm. We want to discipline, but we don't want to, we want to defeat these beliefs that say they have to, they absolutely have to obey me every time, or they have to do what I want them to do, or I'm a lousy individual. So it's, it's being balanced between those two. And I don't think there's a formula for, for doing it uh, perfectly or even close to perfectly all the time. Yeah, yeah, okay, very, very good. And I like uh, one of the various perspectives you highlighted, and that is don't define yourself, your worth, your totality in terms of how well you feel you're doing with parenting and especially don't define yourself as a person, a good or bad person, but rather just an imperfect human who acts imperfectly based on how your children do as they're growing up. And uh, there are a few reasons for that. One is uh, even if you were a very, very poor parent, again, that doesn't make you a bad person or a worthless person or a failure. And the other one is a lot, to a large extent, adult personality is determined not by in-home behavior, in-home behavior in the parenting, but rather by genetics, our genetic predispositions. And I'm sure you notice this, Kevin, with your children, they were uh, not all very different from each other, but some were very different from some of the others and some were probably somewhat similar. Uh, some were reliable, some weren't so reliable, some were more emotionally disturbed than others. And you were the same parent, essentially, over time. So what makes a difference? And uh, the strong hypothesis is what makes a difference is the genetic predispositions that they inherited from you, your mother, their mother, their grand our parents, and so on down the line. That's another reason not to blame yourself or hold yourself responsible if your children have problems or think you're a great person 
if you have some kids who are doing very well in life. You could give yourself uh, praise for what you did, and the, especially for your efforts, but not your total self. And Kevin, and, have you found a challenge uh, in terms of defining yourself in terms of your children's success? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's as a parent, uh, it was really easy, especially when I was a younger parent, to uh, define my uh, myself via the behavior of my kids. Uh, part of the problem was, uh, man, some may find this a little bit controversial, but I was in the ministry for about eight years. And uh, it's very, one thing that's looked at is how your kids behave when you're in a fundamentalist type situation. Uh, you can find yourself uh, in hot water with your congregation if your children are acting like hellions. And so uh, I put a lot of emphasis on how they acted to their detriment. One thing I tell clients these days is that each child is their own individual. They will do what they want to do for the most part. We can try to influence that behavior. We can teach them what we believe to be the uh, healthy ways to go forward. But ultimately, they're a little individual human being with their own preferences, musts, shoulds, and everything else. And there are some of my kids that uh, it didn't matter what I did, they weren't going to do their homework. That's just how it, how it was. And so at some point as parents, one of the hardest things is just to sit back and let your kids have the negative consequences. So you fail a course, that means summer school for you. That means, that means uh, perhaps you're not going to get into the college you want to. Maybe you'll have to do something else to get by than what you dream of doing. So uh, they are individuals and, uh, and it's important for us as parents to know that. Our job is to influence. It's up to them whether they do it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think very sage advice. Now, although I've never been a parent, I've heard of them. That's a joke. And, uh, and so let me give you some specific situations that some of the parents I've worked with have run into and see what practical approaches you might have in addition to your excellent perspective about, uh, about a bird and a, a parallel to holding a bird. So one of the, uh, one of the problems has been uh, it's time to get up to get to school and the kid uh, doesn't want to get up. They want to sleep some more because it feels good to be under the warm covers. I'm sure you've had that situation. And uh, so would you just let them fend for themselves? And if they don't show up, they don't show up. And the, when the truant officer comes knocking at your door and holds you responsible, since you're the parent, uh, you just deal with that. Uh, what's that been like? Well, uh, first of all, that is true. Uh, it is a requirement in most jurisdictions that children uh, attend school of some kind and parents can be held liable. So uh, my, my thought is I would apply some, some basic uh, disciplinary tactics. Uh, big problem among parents that I see is they overreact to things. Uh, they, they'll say, Johnny, 
you get out of that bed or you're going to be grounded for a month or something. Or I'll kill you. Or I'll kill you. Yes. Uh, you're gra- the worst example of that happened when I, when a client uh, of mine, when I worked in a clinic, came in with a 14-year-old daughter and said, well, I've grounded her until she's 18. Well, at that point, you've pretty much shot your wad. There's not a whole lot more you can uh, you can do. So my thought, I encourage parents uh, when I'm coaching them and raising their kids, is to find something that the child enjoys, whether it's their uh, handheld device, whether it's uh, whether it's a uh, an activity, video game, whatever it is and create a short-term consequence for them. My approach is to make it a pain in the ass for them not to comply, not necessarily to exact vengeance on them. Uh, An example, let's say we have an adolescent, you take away their phone, and for a lot of them, they would act like you're taking away a limb. I wouldn't take it for an you extended. Almost are. <laughs> yeah, right. You almost are. I feel that way about my phone. If uh, if God help me, if I lose it. But uh, if if uh, the the child in this example they won't get out of bed, well then we just sit down with them and have a conversation. That if you decide that you're going that you're going to stay in bed and not get out of bed, I'm going to take your phone for that day and then give it back to them at the end of the day and start over. Don't progressively make it worse. Just every day you will lose your phone for 24 hours unless you comply with this. And it becomes an ongoing hassle and they can count on it. That's the other thing. You want them to be able to count on it, that it's going to happen. Of course, none of us are perfect, and once it's some, the idea is they'll get the, they'll get the message that mom's going to take the phone for me if I don't get out of bed. So I'm going to go ahead and do that just because I don't want the hassle of it. Another thing would be to, uh, you could deprive them of internet access for a certain period of time. The reason why I say it's a short period of time is, is because we, uh, we don't want them to become discouraged. Uh, kids, overly discouraged rather, kids have a different perception of time than we do. It's the, especially younger ones. It goes longer for them. So if I take something from them and I keep it for a limited period of time, they can see the end and then they get to decide, was it worth it? And if the phone doesn't work, we find something else until we can find that sweet spot that makes them not want to continue to repeat the bad behavior that we're getting. So that's kind of a concept that I run by uh, in a nutshell. Yeah, so I have a question about that. With particularly difficult or rebellious kids, they know you you told them, uh, well, you didn't, you started a fight with your brother, so I'm going to take your phone. But they're wise to you. They hide their phone. Mm-hmm. They hide their phone. Well, that certainly that certainly could happen. Then it's going to become incumbent upon us to think about some other things that they enjoy doing. And that you're maybe, in control of. Yes, right. One one thing to do is some parents. Sorry, I'm laughing here. Some parents have uh, gone to work and taken the internet router with them. 
You know, ah, ah. another thing you could do is potentially talk to this. Could this is where it could get expensive? Uh, you could uh, you could talk to your your phone company about uh, can I temporarily suspend access to uh, the phone? So it's basically a brick. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how uh, expensive that might be and whether whether that's worth it or not. Uh, there, so there are different options you could do. You might, if you're paying the bill, you might be able to block mm-hmm. uh, the phone number that your son or daughter has uh, mm-hmm. temporarily, if that's possible. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a question for uh, your 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 phone company or whoever it is. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, just restricting their social life. If they if they go out and they see their uh, friends on a regular basis. Uh, say, okay, so this Friday night, you won't be going out. But again, it can't be too much because if it's too much, then they're just going to say to hell with it. And they're going to do, they're going to uh, just maybe sneak out of the house or whatever. Mm -hmm. Still could do that anyway, because they're individuals, right? Right. Important to remember that none of this is perfect. None of it will be perfect, but we do the best we can. If ultimately they decide they're going to get involved in drugs or other ser- serious circumstances like that, then that's their then that's their choice. Sadly, we can't keep them from doing it, but we can do the best we can to influence them in that direction. Right, right. In terms of uh, some of these penalties, there are also rewards. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it's useful especially with some behaviors that are difficult for kids to comply with, to set up rewards also. And when you're setting up rewards and penalties, I recommend to parents that they try to make it collaborative. Now, this won't work for a lot of children, but for many it will. And uh, you explain to them why sleeping all day is not a good idea, and you give them the disadvantages, and often they'll, they'll agree, and then you'll say, well, uh, I'd like to help you do better, get up uh, earlier so you don't miss school. So what could we do as an incentive? Maybe a penalty, what would you find penalizing? Mm. Uh, by the way, when I do this with my, cl- with my adult clients, they often come up with things that would be penalizing. So mm-hmm. some children will as well. Um, and then what would be a good reward for every time you get up uh, a time to get to school on time, or you could get a point for, for every time you do it, and five points equals something or other. So that, that's uh, another way you could do it. Another, a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to change the subject. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say about rewards. There's a, there's a broad range of rewards. Uh, younger children, it could be uh, a chart with uh, stars. Sometimes just getting the star is enough if it means Oh, yes, something. very good. Yes, yes. One, one thing to do, though, be probably beyond the behavioral things we're talking about, is it's really, really important to have, to establish a loving relationship with your kids so they feel comfortable to talk with you. Uh, one thing my, my wife did, and really, truth be told, my wife did the lion's share of the child raising in the house. But uh, one thing that my wife, Maureen, did when they were little is she had special time with each one of the kids. 
So she would take one of them for a couple hours and maybe go to a place and have a piece of pie, have ice cream, see a movie just with them. And so that was an important strategy she had to help all the kids uh, remain uh, close to her. We now have a thread. We're a pretty close family at this point, even though we're spread out. We have a thread, a text thread that we're all commenting on all the time and talking to each other back and forth. So. Okay, great. Okay, so my last word um, before we, I give you the last word, Kevin, is um, that I teach parents to raise, to reinforce rationality with their children, even young children. So to say things like, uh, I, you spilled the water, so that's a mistake, but it doesn't make you a bad kid or even use themselves as role model. I, uh, I got angry at this driver who cut me off but I don't run the universe. I can learn to accept discomfort in my life. So uh, on a simple level, you as parents could teach this to your children. In fact, I had a memorable report from a parent who he was, he was teaching this to one child and uh, then he was getting upset at another point and the, and the kid said, you know, dad, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was really nice. Yes, yes, I, I, I like that. And I think uh, it reinforces rational motive, rational motive behavioral concepts with ourselves when we teach them to other people. Yeah, yeah, you uh, have a, a little therapist for free living <laughs> with you. Yes, yeah, so once, yeah. once when my youngest was about 14, she was having a bit of a temper tantrum in the house and uh, I was just letting her have it just letting her have her temper tantrum. And mm -hmm. I said, uh, I said, she's going to kill me when I say this. I said, uh, Carolyn, I'm comfortable with you being angry. It doesn't bother me a bit. And uh, she slammed the door, went to her room. Well, a few weeks later, we were in traffic and I was upset with uh, something going on. I was angry with something uh, happening in front of me. And she poked her little face right out there and she said, daddy, I'm comfortable with you being angry. <laughs> so turned it, turned it back on me. If I would say anything about being a parent, there's not one size fits all. It's about flexibility. It's, it's about not being overly draconian with the punishments. It's about being loving and giving them rewards and, and truly, truly being the best you can be with them, but also with the caveat that you will not be perfect, not even close, and they will not be perfect either. Right. Once you get those concepts okay, then uh, you're able to live with whatever happens. Right, very, very good. And so I'll take the last word uh, by recommending a book uh, by Judith Rich Harris, and it's called the nurture assumption, the nurture assumption. And what that refers to is that it's easy to assume that our children um, are scarred by the way we raise them if it's negative. So you assume it's nature that does it and turns them into uh, adults, happy adults, unhappy adults. But her research has indicated that 
about 50% of adult personality comes from genetic predispositions, 40% from out of the home environment growing up, and only 10% from in the home environment. So that's a very, very brilliant and interesting book, The Nurture Assumption by Judith Rich Harris. Hey, thank you very much, Kevin, uh, for being uh, my co-host and guest. Uh, I found this episode very, very interesting. Thank you, Chris Rossini, our technical engineer. And uh, comment below if you have any comments about our YouTube. Give us a thumbs up, a like, if you benefited from this in any way. Suggest subjects. Uh, you could email me or Kevin or leave a comment. And my website is 3minutetherapy.com. Three is spelled out. My email address and my phone number is there. So you can suggest subjects or volunteer to be a guest. And today our guest and co-host was Kevin. So we would like to have more guests in the future. It makes it more interesting, I think. Donate to Patreon to help support us. Subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy podcast to stay on the rational side of life.